0: Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. I am excited for what's, happening, looking forward to next Sunday, that uh, back to school Sunday. Um, just to mention, uh, we anticipate it. We, we, uh, as a church family, we tend to invite people uh, when we have opportunities like this. And, uh, one of the ways you could serve next week actually is if you have the ability to attend the eight thirty service, that is one way that when we have bigger Sundays that it actually serves the church. So shortest mission trip you'll ever take, um, eight service. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that would just be helpful. If I haven't met you, I'm David Harrington. I'm the location pastor here at Jubilee Church. is one church with four locations. And and uh, we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew. If you've been around, you know for some time. Uh, and we still got a ways to go. Uh, but there's just so much richness and treasure in each book of the Bible. And so we're taking our time, working our way through it. Um, and um, and so uh, looking forward to uh, what I, I hope God speaks to you uh, today. Uh, I have a wife and four children. I've got four daughters, five to 12 years old. And uh, one of the things that we like to do in our family is play the telephone game around the dinner table. Um, I'm sure many of you all are familiar. Uh, You know, telephone game, right? You whisper a message in somebody's ear and it goes around the table and then you all laugh at how ridiculous that message comes out on the the other end. Um, And, uh, Y'all act like y'all don't play this game, but I know that you do, I know. Um, In fact, I think as a society, we play this game, Like, right? You all know, you have a friend that like every time, you're like, hey, I heard, I heard, I heard. We like to pass along uh, information. In fact, I bet there's information that you've passed along unknowingly that isn't true, and I'm here to help you today. I've got some some things that we believe to be true, generally speaking, um, that in fact aren't true. And uh, ready for your mind to be blown? You're gonna find out you lied to someone this past week. I'm just telling you. Um, so here's here's uh, so it takes here's one take seven years for your body to digest gum. It's not true. You told some you told a kid that this last week like if you swallow that then take you seven years to get rid of it. Greg Nelson's one of our uh, doctors was an elder at our city location. I confirmed with him. I said Greg, as a doctor, is this not true? Is this not true? It's not true. It's not true. Doesn't do, doesn't doesn't take seven years. Um, another myth: you can see the Great Wall of China from space. It's not true. In fact, they still have history books that have it shown in the history books that you can see it from space. You can't see it from space. If you drop a penny from the top of the Empire State Building, it could kill, it could kill someone below. It's not true. MythBusters blew that one up. Hair and fingernails continue to grow after death. Not true. But I'm sure you've heard it. How about this? Bulls hate the color red. This one surprised me. They don't hate the color red. You know what they hate? They hate the flapping cape that the person, and they're just generally an angry animal. So (laughs) it doesn't matter, blue, green, they got some guy in a weird outfit waving a cape, they're gonna go after him. We only use about 10% of our brains. It's not true. Now maybe some of us only use 10% of our brains, (laughs) but don't look around the room. You've heard that. You've probably said one of the one, at least one of those things to someone before like hey and you you delivered it as truth. It's not. It's not true. You're thinking right now about the last time you lied to somebody. We hear something, we pass it along. We enjoy being in that stream and the, the flow of communication of what's happening, what we're hearing, what we get to tell the next person. And and this is true of, generally speaking, this is very true of God. We hear a lot of things about God. We hear a lot of things about God. Doesn't matter if you're Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter. Like people have thoughts and opinions and they have messages about God, they do it now and today. They did it when Jesus was on, our, on earth. And in our text, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is, engages his disciples in a conversation and he asks them this question. He says, hey, what have you heard about me? What are people saying about who I am? Word was traveling around quickly about Jesus, this man who heals the sick, who commands the weather, who feeds the multitudes and walks on water. I mean, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's sharing their knowledge. Everyone's saying, hey, did you hear? And he knows his disciples are just like you and I. Just like, we need to, you may need to hear this. We are just like his disciples. So often we read and we like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. They did that. We are just like them. We are just like his disciples. And they've got their ear to the ground. They're checking their Instagram and their TikTok. And if you're over 35, your Facebook. I mean, they are seeing, they're picking up that Jesus is trending right now. He's trending. Lots of popularity, big following. And he asked his disciples, Hey, what's the latest on me? What are people saying? Who do they say that I am? What have you heard? And this question is relevant today as it was in Jesus's day. If you walk down the street and you ask people what their opinion of Jesus, they will have an answer for you. So the disciples start sharing the latest trending messages. They say, you're another John the Baptist, you're another Elijah, you're another prophet. And they're all raising their hands. In fact, I, 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 I found it interesting that in the text, it says Jesus asked these questions, and then it says, they answered. They answered. Like, 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 ooh, I know this one. I got this one. I'm gonna impress Jesus. I've, I've, I've got my finger on the pulse of culture. I know what people are saying. He, they think Jesus is looking for information. He's not looking for information. And they're shouting out these answers and these, these people, John the Baptist, Elijah, they are national reformers in the eyes of the Jewish people. They are people that came to disrupt and reestablish the people of God. John the Baptist came calling the Jews to repent and be baptized. Well, that sounds like Jesus. Elijah was a mighty prophet who performed many miracles. That sounds like Jesus. Jeremiah was a prophet who revealed the word of God to the Israelites in a time when they had forsaken and turned away from God. That sounds like Jesus. What have you heard? What have you heard? What do the podcasters and the YouTubers say? What do your neighbors say? What do your friends? What do your family say? People say all kinds of things about Jesus. He's a good guy. Like him, don't quite like his church. He's an inspirational teacher. He's a miracle worker. A lot of people are like, yeah, I like Jesus from a distance. Like, I like a healthy distance between seems like a good dude. Seems cool. Not everything's positive about Jesus. It wasn't positive back then. He was slandered, maligned. The religious leaders, I mean, accused him of being someone who who associated with sinners, who misled people, who misrepresented God. Some people think he's a manipulator. Some people think he's a madman but people have heard something. Everyone has an opinion of Jesus or or a theory of Jesus or or a version of Jesus that they like. That's a really common one. They have a version of Jesus that they like. I like the Jesus that heals. Don't care for the Jesus that rebukes. When they hear something that fits their version, they keep it. When it doesn't, they discard it. It's why people are comfortable with taking some scripture and leaving out other scripture. They're comfortable. Like, okay, this fits my version of God. Not sure what to do with this piece over here, so I'm just gonna ignore it. Jesus is intentionally engaging this topic with the disciples. He's not having an identity crisis. He hasn't lost sight of who he is. He's not just intentionally having this conversation with them. He's in, I think he's intentional about where he's having this conversation with them. The text says that they, Jesus and the disciples traveled to an area called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea was a city known to be an area filled with all different kinds of gods, idols. It sat in a region that was known in the ancient world to be the gateway to the underworld. In this city, they worshiped the god Pan, who was the god of the wild, shepherds, and flocks. They had a temple to Zeus. The Romans built a temple to Caesar. And on the wall to the temple dedicated to Caesar was engraved Son of God, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. It was a strip mall of idols, literally, at one on every corner. Come, find out. Who, who do you want to worship? We got them. Find the one that fits you. It's not an unfamiliar message. And I just imagine Jesus walking into this area, filled with all kinds of gods. And I could even imagine him stopping in front of Caesar's temple, in front of this engraving and turning to his disciples and saying, hey, who do people say that I am? Jesus isn't looking for information as they all, I know. Jesus is after something in this conversation with his disciples and he's after something in you. And that's really important. Jesus is after something in his disciples and he is after something in you today. And it's not information. He doesn't need information. He's looking for transformation. He stops, he looks and he says, who do you say that I am? He pivots. Who do you say he is? And I imagine, I just imagine, just the way that the text unfolds, this is my imagination, but I wonder if there was a pause in the conversation when he asked that. Who do you say that I am? Because remember how it says, they all answered, yeah, that, that they all didn't answer this question. In fact, only one answered this question. And it just makes me wonder if there was a bit going on in the other 11 disciples. You know that feeling you get when the teacher asks a question in the classroom and you think you know the answer, but you're too smart to raise your hand and put yourself out there and expose yourself just in case you got it wrong. The funny thing is, is we feel smart in that moment. Like, you're not gonna get me. Like, I'm too smart to do this. It's like, it's like a moment like that with Jesus. He's, he's asking this question and everyone just shrinks back a little bit. It feels dangerous. It feels insecure to step out and boldly say, and, and the truth is, I don't know what's happening mentally and emotionally in the disciples in this moment. But as I was preparing and reading this text, I just, I did feel like I had a nudge from the Holy Spirit that man, there, is, there, there is a trap that the enemy likes to get us in. And that is a trap and a lie of anonymity. Like we hide, like, okay, I'm standing with the 11, not answering this question. At least I'm not alone. Peter's going out on the limb, but I feel a little safer here. We all, we all get it right or we all get it wrong together. And there is a lie that we can just play this role, this anonymous role. We can keep this safe distance, safe distance from God and just kind of be on the sideline and let things play out. Now the truth is there is no anonymity with God. He doesn't see a faceless crowd. He looks and he says, Kurt, who do you say that I am? Alexis, who do you say that I am? Matt, I don't know why I'm picking on this section over here. Who do you say that I am? Look, he, he sees you. He knows you. He made you. He knows your frame. He knows your thoughts. He knows you're coming and you're going. He knows everything about you. He knows your motivations. He knows things about you that you don't know about you. He knows you. And there's a real enemy of God who wants to oppress the work of God in our lives. And one of the primary ways he does it is through fear. And so when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? We say, i let someone else take that question. And I just feel like God wants to invite you today. If, if that perhaps, perhaps is you, in fear and in insecurity and in uncertainty of what will happen, is a motivator in the things you are doing or not doing, the things you are saying or not saying. I just believe that God has better for you. Whatever that comfort that that fear is providing, God has better for you. I believe it. I know it to be true. He wants to lead you into a place where you can boldly step out. And I'm not talking about, he wants to make all of us the same way with the same personality. He wants to make you some extrovert standing on the corner. I'm not talking about that. No, the beauty of the church is that God brings all different kinds of personalities and all different kinds of giftings. And it's through the diversity that the beauty of God is put on display. It's beautiful. And we can get caught up in like, oh, I have to be this way if I said, no, 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 no. You get to be uniquely the way God created you, but he wants to work through you to reach others. That is true for everyone who claims Jesus as the Christ. He has set you apart, set you apart for good work, set you apart to be a witness. Jesus sees you. There is no anonymity We don't get to plead the fifth. If you're a follower of Jesus and hoping to get by and just not be noticed, God, you will miss out on the great depths and great joys and great healing and great redemptive work that God wants to do in your life. He has called you by name to join his family to be a light shining in the darkness. Listen, you are people, there are coworkers, there are classmates, there are neighbors, there are friends, there are family members. I know that you know that don't know Jesus and you are not in their life by accident. You aren't in their life to just hope someone else comes along. No, there is a divine purpose and a divine hand on your life to make a difference where you are I can say that confidently because Jesus says it. He's called you to be a light in the darkness. And he's inviting you out from the umbrella of fear and to follow him. He's asking, who do you say that I am? If he is, if he is, the son of God, if he is the creator of all things and over all things and holding all things together, if he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then listen, this is where we do with our anxiety and fear is we say, I feel anxious and I feel afraid. However, I know a God who is over and more powerful and greater than any sin, any roadblock, any obstacle in my life. He's greater than it. He's better than it. He speaks a better word over your life than whatever that thing is. Jesus wants to heal us. He wants to open our spiritual eyes. A couple Sundays ago in the book of Matthew, Brian unpacked the story where the man who, who couldn't see was brought to Jesus and Jesus healed him. If Jesus did not heal him, that man would not see with his physical eyes. We have spiritual eyes that if Jesus does not heal them, does not open them, we will not see him. And Peter has this amazing interchange with Jesus. And we love Peter. We love Peter and we cringe at Peter, right? Because he gets it right and then he gets it wrong. And then he gets it right and then he gets it wrong. And and this is one of those wonderful moments where I go, oh, he got it right. Um, And don't worry, before long, he's gonna get it wrong again. But... He says, he steps out into that space where no one else is speaking. They all answered, we've heard, but what do you say? Peter steps up boldly and he says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God in a city filled with lifeless idols. Peter says, you are the son of the living God. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the Messiah. Generations have waited in patient longing for the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior to show up. And it's you. You're the one that scriptures have testified to. God in the flesh. And I just imagine joy rising up in Jesus as Peter is not sharing what he has learned. He is sharing what has been revealed to him. And Jesus meets his energy and enthusiasm and says, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter stepped into a place where he was proclaiming and the spirit of God opened his spiritual eyes to see not Jesus the prophet, not Jesus the man, but Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. And we need to take a pause here for just a moment because we need to make sure that we see and hear and understand that Peter didn't figure this out. That line that Jesus says, very important, He says that flesh and blood, flesh and blood have not revealed this, but my Father in heaven. Why is that so significant? Because Peter didn't have a leg up on the other disciples with his Bible study time that morning. He didn't arrive here by his learning and his knowledge increasing about who Jesus is. In fact, he could have done his Bible reading plan every day, checked his box every day, posted a Bible verse on social every day, memorized scripture, and without God's revelation, this is tough, but this is true, without God's revelation, he would still be as lost and confused as the atheist next door. Some of you are thinking about that statement. Remember Satan in the wilderness trying to tempt Jesus three times? You know what Jesus employed as his method? Quoting scripture. Satan can quote scripture all day. He knows how to use it but Satan's name isn't written in the book of life. He knows it, he can quote it, but he despises it. You don't learn your way into God's family. You can't discover this on your own. You can't earn your way in either. Jesus doesn't reward good deeds with revelation. It's not a pay-as-you-go system. It's not like, okay, hey, a Boy, you did three good things this week, and in exchange, I'm going to pay you with revelation. It's not a works-based system. It's a grace-based system. When Jesus was crucified, he was hung between two thieves. One of the criminals hanging next to Jesus a man who is receiving capital punishment for his crimes. As he's hanging on the cross next to Jesus, he has a revelation. This isn't some poor innocent man who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. In fact, he says as much. He acknowledges his guilt. One thief mocking Jesus, one has a revelation. And he says this, speaking of Jesus, he says, this is not a guilty criminal. This is the Holy Lamb of God. And in that moment of revelation, he confesses his own guilt and declares who Jesus is. And in a flash, not by good deeds, not by his understanding, but by the power and revealing work of God, that thief was transformed, not informed, but transformed from darkness into light. Jesus says, today you'll be in paradise with me. How can that be? It can be because the gospel is a radical message and the gospel is radical not because who it keeps out, as so many would like to think. It's radical because of who it lets in. Peter, disciple of Jesus, walking with Jesus on earth for years, studying with Jesus, listening to Jesus, obeying Jesus, thief, taking his last breath, capital punishment, receiving what he deserves. Peter and the thief today, worshiping God in heaven. Both needed revelation from God. Both need to receive what they do not deserve. And this is harder for us than we realize. There are not layers of good Christians. There is only the revelation that apart from God, We can do no good. And I say that because he says it. How can a thief dying for crimes and a disciple of Jesus be shoulder to shoulder worshiping in the throne room of God? Because it's not about works, it's not about good deeds, it's not about impressing Jesus with our information and our intellect. It's about receiving by God revelation that he is the one. And it's about turning away from the life that we think we understand and know and turning towards God. That's why the Bible talks about repentance so much. You notice that? Repentance, repentance. Repentance is the soil that the kingdom of God just thrives in because repentance is not just some words we say out loud. It's a turning away. So when they say, repent and believe, they're saying, look, turn away. Here, you think you know what's true. You think you know the path to God. You think you know the path to heaven. You think you've got it figured it out. Here's the revelation you need. No, you don't. Nothing you do. Nothing you say. No good act is ever going to be good enough or, or balance the, 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 uh, the balance your debt and what you owe God. Nothing's going to be good enough to, for you to stand and say, I deserve to be in holy perfection with God forever. No, repentance is saying, is recognizing and the reason why God works so mightily in it is because it's cloaked in humility. See, God opposes the proud, but he works powerfully with people who humble their hearts, and you can't repent without humility. So you say, I'm never going to be good enough. I can't figure it out. I can't be a better Christian today than I was yesterday. I need the power of God at work in my life transforming me. I need to turn away from myself and turn towards him. So the moment of salvation is recognizing I'm never gonna make it apart from someone outside of me who's better than me, who can pay my debt for every evil thought, every evil act. And there's only one person who can do that and his name is Jesus Christ. And the good news is, is that he did it. He went to the cross for you so that you and I could be set free so that for whoever receives him as Lord and Savior, will be considered co-heirs with Christ. No one deserves that. There's no one in this world that deserves that. Peter didn't deserve it. The thief doesn't deserve it. Both receive something they didn't deserve. It is the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful radical, challenging nature of the gospel. God brings us revelation by his spirit. And, and he has given us his word. We have a plumb line. We have an anchor. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. If revelation comes through some mode outside of his word, which God can do, we use his word to confirm that revelation. If someone waltzed up to me today and said, hey, I had a dream, God spoke to me, and in my dream, he told me that in order to get to heaven, you have to be an American. I would graciously and patiently say, open the Bible and say, God clearly does not say that. He never contradicts himself. He doesn't change his plan of salvation at some point. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. First Corinthians 13 says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. Doesn't say we know perfectly and we prophesy perfectly. So what, why, why is that important? Because we live in humility, understanding that we can get it wrong, which is why God commands community to walk this out in one anothering and weighing and discerning and the gifts of the Spirit at work in his church. That's why community groups are so important. We need fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles and cousins and spiritual brothers and sisters to keep us anchored and say, you are getting off course. Come back to the God of the Bible. Come back to who he is. Listen, God doesn't, God did not, Jesus did not need his disciples to tell him who he was. He knew who he was. He doesn't need us to tell him who he was or who he is he knows sometimes sometimes well when we get into his word we come across challenging things and questions arise and i just want you to know that's okay god can handle all of your questions he already knows you has them you have them not surprised he's okay with you saying God, I'm having a hard time. I don't get this. I don't understand this. Listen, if he really is as big as we say, if he really is as big as he says he is, and he is the author and creator of all things, shouldn't it come to reason that we will come across things he does and says that we don't understand? I mean, we experience that when we sit in a room with a person who's smarter than us, right? Ever have a conversation with someone who just knows abundantly more than you? And you become very aware. This person knows a lot more than me. I should probably listen. How much more the God of the universe should we approach him with that same mindset? See, it's okay to come with questions. Where we get into trouble is when we, que- we come with a questioning spirit and there's a difference, you know? When, you know when someone asks you a question, but they're not really asking you a question. They're just trying to undermine you. There's a difference between a questioning spirit and having questions. So oftentimes what people do is they read something in the Bible, they don't understand an aspect about God, they're challenged by something and their response is to run away from God or to get rid of the Bible. God doesn't want that to be a reason or an occurrence that you run away. What he wants is for that to be a reason, and occurrence that you go to your knees in prayer and say, God, I don't understand. I need your revelation. I live on the understanding and reality that you are bigger, greater, beyond me. And I need your help. And the reason we can stay anchored in that place is because of Jesus Christ. So the disciples had trouble with things Jesus said. The disciples struggled. The crowds came and went. Sometimes when the crowds left, they left because Jesus said something they didn't like. And Jesus would say to his disciples, do you want to leave too? And they would say, no, no, no. We're we're having a hard time, but where shall we go? You have the words of life. See, they they didn't understand everything that Jesus did or said. They had a hard time. They even said, Jesus, this is difficult. But what they knew greater than their uncertainty or greater than their lack of intellect, what they knew was that Jesus was good. And that Jesus had authority and that Jesus was doing something beyond their understanding. They thought Jesus was going to set them free from the Romans. Jesus wasn't here to set them free from the Romans. He was here to conquer Satan's sin and death. He was here to conquer their hearts and he's come to conquer our hearts as well. And so when we question and when we feel uncertain, we say, listen, I don't understand. But Jesus, I see you hanging on the cross for my sin. I see you saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I see you raising from the grave three days later. I see your miracles. I see your genuine love. I see it on display. And though I don't understand fully, I'm gonna trust you. And that's God's invitation for you today. Will you trust him? Will you go where he's going? I don't know where that will be for you personally and individually. But what I know is that I know it's good because that is who he is. Jesus comes to, the, comes to us with the question, who do you say that I am? Maybe today you need to turn away from a version of Jesus that you have created or have heard about. Maybe today you need to repent from minimizing him or analyzing him or critiquing him and placing yourself in a position over him as if it's his job to help you figure things out to the way that you like. That's a tough one. Jesus doesn't always fit. Actually I'd say he never fits in this nice tidy box that we create. But he's inviting us to come along with him. He's inviting us to see who he is. He's inviting us to receive. That word is so key, receive. Receive his love. Receive his power. Receive his patience. Receive his grace at work in our life. And here's what we all need today. We all need a revelation. We all need to be filled with his Holy Spirit. We all need to lean on his understanding and his power and his authority. We all need to go to the source. We need to go to God, the God that puts on display who he is. Can you stand with me? We're going to pray. Band's going to come. We're going to worship God. And in a moment, there's going to be an opportunity to receive prayer. And I just want to encourage you to receive that prayer. If you felt like there's something that God is highlighting, emphasizing in your life. Maybe it was the thing about fear, whatever it is. If you're here, you need physical healing, you need emotional healing, spiritual healing, whatever it is, we believe in a God, in a living God who is able to do far more than we ask or could imagine. I just wanna encourage you to receive from him today. Let's pray. Lord, we just say, I say, God, I need you. I so desperately need you. Lord, I am very aware of the things that I am not. I am very aware of those things. Very aware of my weaknesses. Very aware that I can let those things be the thing that determines my decisions. But God, that's not what you have. It's not what you have for me. It's not what you have for us. You are the God who has come to put his power and love on display, not to lead us into fear, not to lead us into insecurity, not to lead us even into a life where we all get what we want. That's not the life that you put before us. No, you say there's there's something better than beyond this life. There's a place you're gonna be for 10,000 years, 20,000 years, 100,000 years that's gonna make this life feel like a moment, like a breath of air in the cold. Here and gone. God says, while you're here in this life, I've got better for you. I've got a better way, an eternal way. Jesus, help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to receive. Lord, we want your revelation. We need your revelation in our life, God. Lord, we love your word. We love your truth. We love the way that you lead us and care for us and not just wanna dispense information and then reprimand us when we don't get it right, God. No, you want a relationship based on grace, mercy extended, Lord, where we are thriving and loving and secure in who you have made us to be. God, I just ask, Lord, put to death fear in our life. Let us again receive fresh revelation that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God.